in today's show. Let's look at some more free agency and, of course, the gigantic trade of Rudy Gobert. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We are we're here for the second day of free agency. Not much happening free agency-wise, but some big trades, some huge trades, in fact. So I'm recording this at 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday, the 1st of July. So any moves that happen after that will be covered in tomorrow's show. So, Warney? Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk just some basic extensions. Supermax deal for Carl Anthony Towns, four years $224 $224 million. We'll talk more about Towns later, don't worry. Um, ja Morant, five years, $193 million. And Zion Williamson, five years, $231 million. I know people will be panicking about the Zion deal. I think it's absolutely fine. I think you have to do it. If he wants to be there, maybe he can ask out at some point, but you get him under contract. He was unbelievable. He was probably in the best 15 players in the NBA in his second season at age 20. And then the injury struck. And if he gets back to that form or improves on it, then you are a legitimate top four Western Conference seed chance. So you have to do it. The injuries have been obviously frustrating and concerning, but you got to do it. And I've got no problem with any of those deals, quite obviously. They're all, they all needed to be done. We'll get, we'll talk towns more later. Hmm. Let's talk about a trade though that did go down. Not the one you're thinking of, but one that is important, and that's Malcolm Brogo Brogdon going to the Boston Celtics in exchange for Malik Fitz, Nick Stauskas, Juwan Morgan, Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, and a 2023 first-round pick, which I believe is top 12 protected. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff going back there. The only thing that's really interesting, I guess, is Neesmith. Maybe you hope he can rediscover some of the potential he had. I wasn't as high on him as the draft at the draft when he was picked. But of course, he plays the same position as Buddy Heald and Chris Duarte and Benedict Mathurin. They all play the same spot. So I don't know really where he fits in there. Fits Stauskas Morgan, doesn't matter. Tice, yeah, where does he fit behind Jackson, Turner, Brissett, um, Jalen Smith, if they bring him back? Not really important. First round pick is useful enough. It's just something to have there to, to stock young guys in. As for Brogdon, we know that Brogdon, who was playing way too many minutes under Rick Carlisle, he'd put up top 30, top 40 numbers, and he would get hurt. I'm, I'm telling you now, he has got zero chance of replicating what he did on a per-game basis. A, he's not going to start. All right, so it's going to be Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Williams. Horford will miss some games. Smart will get hurt, probably. Robert Williams has injuries. That's true. But there is still Derek White on this team. Now, Brogdon, 
is pro is probably a better player than Derek White. Probably. Offensively, yes. Defensively, no. So how you weigh those two things? They're going to be the top seven guys, and then Grant Williams is the eighth guy in this rotation. So does Brogdon, does he get 28 minutes a night? Probably not. 23? Maybe. And then when you get to the playoffs, you you, know, you, you just play everyone. You're 27, 28 minutes of these three bench guys. But they'll play t- 9 to 10 in the, in the regular season. And yeah, that means that probably Pritchard is in there. I don't know who the other guy is going to be. Whoever they bring in as their backup center, if they actually bring one in. So I'm not sure it makes Brogdon undraftable. I know it makes Derek White undraftable. It possibly makes Brogdon undraftable. Possibly. Because while we go, oh, Horford will rest games and Williams will get hurt and Smart will miss games, so will Brogdon. So you might get 65 games of Brogdon at 24 minutes. I Again, I haven't done the projections because it's actually pointless to do them while stuff is still moving around. But I'm really not expecting him to be a top 100 player at this point. Malcolm, Brogo, Brogdon. Another trade went down. Not the one you're thinking of. I don't get it. And again, like I said on yesterday's show, when the Kings do something and I don't get it, they do not get the benefit of the doubt. They sent a first round pick, top 14 protected in 2024, which goes down to top 12 protected in 25 and top 10 in 26. All right, so it's not a great first round pick, but it's not a terrible one. They send Mo Harkless and Justin Holiday, both expiring contracts. For Kevin Herter, fan of pants, which is all well and good if you didn't have De'Aaron Fox, if you didn't have Don, uh, Davion Mitchell, if you didn't have Terrence Davis, if you didn't just sign Malik Monk. Where does Herter fit? Is Herter better than Monk? Yes. Is he better than Davion Mitchell? Yes. Is he better than Terrence Davis? Yes. But what's the point? Is Herter and De'Aaron Fox a starting combination? At least... I'll say this, at least Kevin Herter can shoot because not many other guys on this team have been able to shoot. But he's a guy that's needed 30 minutes to be a fantasy relevant play in Atlanta. And if they're trying to give Davion minutes, I don't think they should be trying to push him to 30 minutes, but you know that I'm lower on him than others. I, I don't know where Herter fits. Surely you're not playing him at the three. Jesus Christ, I hope not. I, I don't I don't know. I, I think it, it helps Herter's fantasy value for this season because in Atlanta, with DeJounte Murray there, there was no chance. He was going to play 19 minutes a night. Now, he might play more than that, but I don't think it's going to be great, and it's still a weird, hey, here are all these guards, Fox, Herder, Monk, who can't defend, and playing two of them together is going to be rough. So maybe they do have to play Mitchell 30 minutes a night just so he can be on the court next to all of those guys because he's the only one who can defend, and that's going to lead to some problems. As for Harkless and Holiday... They are just depth pieces. It gives them wing size guys, although Justin Holiday is more of a two. Um, just some rotation, or well, not even rotation guys, some bench guys um, who might be able to help out just in case. I will get into the big trade of the day in just a second. I know you want to hear about it. Before I do that, I'm going to tell you about Arcade One Up. Imagine you had NBA Jam at home in your house. Imagine there was a modern-day NBA Jam that could pair Rudy Gobert and Carl anthony Towns together. Hmm, we'll talk about that. But NBA Jam, we remember, the Arcade Classic. One of the first games, I think the first game, to have digitized, licensed teams, no fouls, no free throws. 
balls on fire, shoves, insane stuff. We loved it. We loved the player combinations. We loved playing it. And now Arcade 1UP brings that to you at home. So you can pre-order now from one Arcade1UP.com. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. They've even got other arcade games, Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and other classics starting at just $3.99. They're also giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your games room at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You've got until July the 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? So let's do it. Let's talk about the trade. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Oh, it's insane. It's, it's insane. It's league-changing sort of stuff. Whether that's in a good or bad way, I don't know. For the particulars of the deal, before I get into breaking it down, Rudy Gobert goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt Bar, Leandro Balmaro, Malik Beasley, Walker Kessler, Four first-round picks, of which three of those are unprotected, and one of them is top four or top five protected, and a pick swap in 2026. So it's 23, 25, 27, 29. 29 is the protected one, uh, yeah, loosely protected, and 26 pick swap. So in essence, it is four first-round picks plus a swap, so five first-round picks maybe, plus this year's first-round pick, six first-round picks, plus the first-round pick from two years ago, Leandro Balmaro. It's a lot of first-round picks recently. Now, I know Balmaro, it's been a couple of years. Um, but, you know, it's still a lot of first-round picks. And they're doing it so they can pair Towns and Gobert together. Now, when they drafted Walker Kessler, I said, hey, are they thinking of playing Towns more at the four? Well, yes. The answer is obviously yes. Um, defense, look, what this makes the Timberwolves is a good team. Does it make them a title contender? I really don't think so. They've got D'Angelo Russell as an expiring contract. They obviously need an upgrade there. Who's going to play the three? Torian Prince, Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels. Probably McDaniels. They refuse to give him up in the deal, but he's more of a four than a three. Are they just going to go supersized Cleveland Cavaliers style and play your fours at the three? Well, McDaniels there. He needs to improve his shooting though. Um, Towns obviously is an excellent shooter. Russell's a solid shooter. Edwards is a solid shooter. So it might work. Defensively, I think this team could be top 10 offense and top 10 defense. Gobert is that good, and he probably has better surrounding cast defensively than he did in Utah. Maybe. McDaniel's decent defender. Edwards, pretty good defender. Russell, terrible. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you've got Towns, who's not great. And Towns out on the perimeter is not going to be ideal, but you can probably hide him on whoever the week number week four or week three on the other team is and get away with it. So it's going to be okay. Offensively, I think it'll work fine. I think it works pretty solidly. Towns does not need to be in close to the paint. Um, I think it's going to be okay. But there's still a long way to go. And it's just a lot to give up for a guy that's 30. And you're paying this front court like $80, $90 million a year for the next four or five years. And yeah, Gobert is 30. So that it's going to be a problem. And all you need is for something to go really wrong. Shout out to Brooklyn, or shout out to also Brooklyn from you know, five, seven years ago, whenever it was, the KG stuff. And then those unprotected picks, they look that you're in real strife. And I think it's a massively brilliant piece of business from Utah to get 
in essence, five first-round picks, six if you include Walker Kessler, for Gobert, who many people, yes, many of those were Twitter NBA experts, thinking that Gobert was a negative value contract, that he gets played off the court in the playoffs, that he's a horrible overpay, one of the worst contracts in the league. Well, it turns out he's not any of those things because he's considered a gigantic positive and they paid up that. Now, I think they paid too much for it and I think Utah clearly comes out in front. It will no doubt make Minnesota better. I've got no doubt about that. They are going to be better. They lose a lot of depth. Beasley, Beverly, Vanderbilt, guys that started tons of games for them. They lose a lot of depth, but they will be better. But will they be fourth in the West? Don't know. Fifth? Can they win a series? I'm not convinced they can. They still need a lot of work to do. And the avenues to do that are so limited now that they just can't do it. So I don't think... Now, if you are a Minnesota fan, please, please let me know what you think in the comments below. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Am I being a hater? Am I being too harsh on your team? I just think that it's... Yeah, I don't think it's good for them. I think that it'll improve them and you'll get better level basketball to a degree in the regular season. It'll be fine. But I don't think it's winning many playoff series. And that's what you try to do, I'm guessing. But who knows? Who knows where this ends up for them? Um, all right. If we talk about the fantasy impact, yeah, look, it hurts in Minnesota. Like, it does hurt Towns. I don't know whether he'll still be a first-round guy. I'm pretty sure he will be. But what it will do is it will reduce his field goal percentage. I think fewer shots around the rim. It might mean his true shooting goes up, but that unfortunately doesn't matter for fantasy. It'll almost definitely reduce his rebounds, although he did have solid rebounds playing next to Jared Vanderbilt, who's an unbelievable rebounder. It probably reduces his block numbers as well. So it takes Towns away from being maybe a top five option to maybe like 10th or 11th. I think, I think. I'm trying, I'm guessing on that. Gobert, I don't really think much changes. I think he's basically just the same guy for fantasy. A guy that if you're willing to absorb the poor free throws, he's a second round player. That's, I think that's just what it's going to be for him. I don't think much changes there. Um, as for Edwards and Russell, I think it actually helps both of those guys. Without Beverly there, without Beasley there, it's more perimeter shot attempts, more ball handling, more assist opportunities. The ball will be in Edwards' hands a lot more than what it was if he was sharing the court with Russell and Beverly, who do need some of the ball in their hands as point guards. So I think that does help those guys. Um, that's that's sort of my initial view. Now, as for Utah, I, I'm loath to get into too many details about the fantasy value here because I they are not finished. They are already two starters down from last season, Gobert and O'Neal. Right? Bogdanovich, Conley, and Mitchell are still there from the starters. Jordan Clarkson's still there. I think Clarkson will stick. Woj is saying that they're going to retool around Donovan Mitchell, right? But that means to me that Bogdanovich and Conley are at huge risk of moving on. As things stand at the moment, the replacements for Gobert and for O'Neal are probably Jared Vanderbilt Bar and probably Walker Kessler. Yes, Hassan Whiteside was their backup center last season. He is not signed. He is an unrestricted free agent. Yes, they have Yudoka Azebuke, who they took in the first round a couple of years ago. He is not anywhere close to an NBA caliber player. I don't think they'll go into the season with Walker Kessler as their starting center, but if they do, 
If they go into the season with Walker Kessler as their starting center, this is legitimate, legitimate top 60 upside because he could block, he could actually block, block three shots a game. He could average 10 and 12 with 1.2 steals on 60% with three blocks. That is how good of a shot blocker he is. And the opportunity just rises. Now, they could apparently, whispers are, are they looking for DeAndre Ayton? That makes no sense, but maybe they are. But we really want to watch that situation. So it's hard to dig too much in there because I think Bogdanovich, I think Conley will be on the move. Maybe Mitchell gets moved. Maybe another center comes in. But at this point, there's a big boost for Vanderbilt. There is a huge boost for Kessler, potentially. It might be a big boost for Beasley and for Beverly because Bogdanovich, Conley, even Mitchell might be gone. They might be starting. Beverly, Beasley, Vanderbilt. They all might start for this team. Who knows? So if they do move on from Conley, Beverly's solid enough. Beasley can be a starter. And in this situation, if Mitchell does move on, Beasley's a guy that needs high usage, but if he gets it, he's a really good fantasy player. And he could play 30 minutes. So it's a big boost. It's a potential boost for him. It's solid enough for Beverly. It's a potential big boost for Vanderbilt Bar and a potential big boost for Walker Kessler. But but none of that stuff might actually matter because other things might happen. Other moves might transpire that we're just at this point unaware of. But it is a huge deal, a gigantic deal. And the Utah side of this is not done. The Jazz side is, sorry, the the yeah, no, the, the Wolves side pro- pr- pretty much is. They probably need to fill in some gaps somewhere. They just got Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Anderson. I can't speak. Um... So where he fits, maybe he is the starter at the three. Although that's some pretty rough spacing with Gobert and Anderson in the starting lineup. Um, but a really interesting trade that I think I think Minnesota loses. I think they lose this trade. But they wouldn't have lost this trade if they had checked out the odds on betonline.net. That's a terrible segue, but I don't care because betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, fights, MMA, boxing, golf, all that stuff. And, amazingly, futures for the NFL. You want to take a bet for a Christmas Day game? You can do it. We've got a game here. The Dolphins, my Miami Dolphins, against the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day. The odds are up. And I bet they've got the Packers favorite. Yeah, two-point favorites. Nah, mate. We're flying the Dolphins. We can get them at plus two. I love it over at betonline.net. It's the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, so that brings us to talk about some of the free agency moves. And there's again, there's not huge things here, but there are some important things that we do need to talk about. Just as I finished recording yesterday's show, the big avocado Andre Drummond went to Chicago on a two-year, $6.6 million deal with a player option. Now, Chicago continues to be a frustrating organization. Well, Andre Drummond for $3 million is not bad. Yeah, okay, sure. Yep. All right. He's okay as a backup center. Um, no, he doesn't provide the rim protection they need, which I heard a lot of Bulls fans coping to try and understand. But what they do is them wasting their biennial exception to give Tristan Thompson, I think it was like $500,000 over the minimum last season, meant that they can't use it this year. And now giving Andre Drummond a player option and a salary that's marginally above the minimum again, I think it's maybe five, 600000 above the minimum again, means that they can't use, yeah, it takes part of their mid-level exception. 
And you know why they're using part of the middle-level exception? Because they won't use the full amount because the owners are completely cheap. They will not go into the tax. So this team, while they had that nice little run where they were first in the East in January, they're going to remain middling. Sixth seed, seventh seed, first round sweep potential, or first round beating down again. They're going to need a ton of internal improvement from someone like Patrick Williams, who I don't think it's going to happen. They're going to need to try and get out of Vucevic. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they trade Kobe White. I just don't think that it, this team who found some gold, but DeRozan's window is narrow, man. It is tiny. He's not going to be good for a long time. Levine's knees are in real strife. Lonzo Ball's knees, they're worse. Right? This is, if you're going to do something, do it now. Or else, what are you, what are you doing? Treading water in this middle zone. Again, the Drummond situation in a vacuum, $3 million for Andre Drummond. Yeah, it's, to- it's totally solid. But the process behind it, wasting your mid-level, wasting your biannual for these stupid deals, caving in to players. Oh, Andre, you want a player option? Sure. It's pointless. It's dumb. Mike Muscala, the moose. He goes back to OKC on a minimum deal. They've got about a million guys under contract. I don't think Muscala's going to play, but he's back. This one's interesting. Big Gaz Payton goes to Portland. Three years, $28 million. The Warriors, um, they were always going to be in trouble trying to re-sign Payton and Porter, um, guys that they had on minimums last season because they didn't have all that cap space. And in the end, they didn't. Well, they couldn't sign them because of the bird rights rules and the, the minimum salaries. In, they could probably only sign one of them. In the end, they signed zero of them. Payton gets a nice pay rise. He is almost 30. Bear that in mind, but he comes in as a nice third guard behind Lillard and Simons, if you're counting hard as a three, which I think you should. Um, It means that we're not going to really get many shade and sharp minutes, I would guess. Peyton's always going to be an elite steel streamer, but he probably can't play more than 19, 20 minutes a night most nights, I would guess, because he was an insanely efficient offensive finisher, but he's like a power forward in a guard's body, which makes fitting sometimes weird. Ricky Rubio, ravishing Rick Rubio. Haven't um, haven't played his song for a while. Let's do it. He goes back to Cleveland, three years, eighteen point four million. He should be ready close to the start of the season, maybe a couple of months in. He was excellent for them last season. We still don't know the impact of this because we don't know whether Colin Sexton's around. If Sexton was around, Rubio wouldn't have had the same level of impact with Cleveland last season, where he was a standard league player when Sexton went down. Um, I don't think we should be assuming that Rubio is going to play 28 minutes a night like he did last season, but Rubio and Garland probably was a better combination than Rubio and Okoro. It's one to watch, and he's always going to have value as an assist and steals option. Aaron Holiday goes to uh, Atlanta on a one-year minimum deal, I believe. Sure. Backup point guard, maybe after they lost Dillon Wright. I don't really think Aaron Holiday is all that good as an NBA player. I think you'd be more comfortable with him as a third guard. But he goes in as the backup unless they're going to re-sign Sharif Cooper and um, make him the backup. What's my theme music? Um, Zach Levine. It was weird. We didn't hear anything about Levine yesterday, but he just does sign the five-year max, five years, $215.5 million. Good for him. He's improved his game significantly. Um, the knee problems were a real worry for me, how they just continue to flare up. And I think he had some surgery uh, after the season. And that could be a problem towards the end of this deal. But he's still going to be solid and, and solid enough with DeRozan. I'd imagine that his value goes up in a couple of years, fantasy-wise, when DeRozan... Yeah, Peter's out or, or moves on. 
The Shark, Bruce Brown. Baby shark, do, 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 do. This is great. Two years, 13 million for Denver. I don't know if he just absolutely was dying to get to Denver. He said he wanted to play there. But teams should have been paying a lot more for Bruce Brown than this. This is a great contract. He, he's going to look, they're, they're going to run Murray. They're going to run KCP, Gordon, Porter, Jokic. Is Smith's going to be, for some reason, in the mix. But Brown is going to get 20 minutes a night, at least. The Austin Rivers minutes are gone. What it does hurt, actually, don't play don't play Ish. Play Bones as your backup point guard. It does hurt the big stiffy because Highland won't be getting all of the backup one and two minutes. Brown will get some there, although Brown is probably more of a 3-4, but sometimes you have to squish him in at the, four, at the two, especially with Jeff Green and Gordon and Porter around. I don't think he's going to be a standard league asset, but in terms of making this team better, he definitely does. After they traded Morris, which made them worse, getting Brown in makes them better. So that's a positive for um, for Denver. Mitch Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Four years, $60 million. That's that's basically Marvin Bagley money. People say, well, how can, why, why do you hate the Bagley deal? I know I'm going to go on about this. Why do I hate the Bagley deal? He's not good. It's too many years. It's too much money. They've got four other centers. That's why. As for this, 15 million for Robinson seems about right. He's always he's going to remain low usage. I still think under certain circumstances that he's backup. Isaiah Hartenstein might be a better player in certain scenarios. But Robinson back, he'll play his 28, I would guess, a night. Hartenstein 20. And Robinson will have his free throw difficulties and he'll be a useful fantasy guy for the field goal percentage and the blocks and the rebounds. And he does nothing else and he, he won't do anything else. But it's solid for him getting that money. He's back. Um, injuries are always a worry with Mitchie, for sure. But this is a top 100 punt free throw guy pretty comfortably. Might push top 70 in a punt free throw situation. But he's back in New York, probably killing the hopes you had of Hartenstein stealing into a bigger role. Which we would, And what it also does, it hurts Obi Toppin. Robinson, Hartenstein, Randall all there. It means that those Toppin minutes at the five and the Toppin-Randall combo, unless Randall's traded, it's going to make it really tough for Toppin to have, I would guess, too much of an imp. Unless they sign Hartenstein to $8 million to not play him at all, which I don't think they should because I think Hartenstein's better than Robinson and better than Toppin. But it's going to make it tough for Obi to have any sort of um, impact. I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. Theo Pinson, I've got, just got to cover off all deals. Theo Pinson goes back to Dallas on a one-year minimum deal. Surely it's a minimum deal. Um, the Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock! And when I talked about that Brogdon trade earlier, I forgot to mention that he is almost definitely going to Boston. That has not been confirmed 100%. We don't know years or dollars or any of that. But that's just another guy in that mix. When we talk about the bench now having Gallinari, Grant Williams, Brogdon, and Derek White, this team is super strong. They are super deep. But it means they all hurt each other's value. And Gallinari, he'll play 20, 21 minutes a night. He'll play more some nights, less other nights. It's a really useful depth piece, but it's not going to have much fantasy value. Kevon Looney goes back to Golden State, three years, 25 and a half million. That's less than Marvin Bagley. Should we just, all contracts are going to be on the Marvin Bagley line. Um, I thought he'd get 10 million plus a year. He was unbelievable in the playoffs. He's not going to have fantasy value. We know that. He should play 24 a night in the regular season, but maybe they try and get Blunty, Jim Wiseman in there a little bit more. Where are you now? But your daily, weekly, monthly reminder that 
Kevon Looney is better than James Wiseman at this point, and until that's proven otherwise, it remains to be a fact. But Looney's back. Well, Otto Porter goes to Toronto. Two-year deal. I don't have the specifics of the deal. I would think it's probably some of the mid-level that Toronto had. So it might be two years, 12 million. I don't know. I think there's a player option in the second half of that as well. But <laughs> I know I talked yesterday about Toronto having a million centers. Now they just add another power forward into the mix to go with Barnes, Ananobi, Siakam. And yes, they can play at the three or play at the five, all that. But Porter's not going to get enough minutes to have an impact unless there's injuries. And we know this is Nicky Nurse. So these blokes are going to play 39 a night and Porter might play 12. How how Porter, Young, Achua, Birch, Boucher, how they all get minutes off, in, off the bench, I don't know. And still, they have no rotation guards unless they're going to put Malachi Flynn in the rotation. Unless Nick Nurse changes his ways, which maybe it's possible, there's just a lot of good rotation pieces who maybe aren't going to play. Although... I still think there's a huge chance that Thad Young gets traded. I know he signed him, but it was signed as an extension, not a free agency deal, which means he can be traded immediately. So watch that space on Thad Young. But I like Otto Porter on the whole. It's, like, it's good signing. It's probably going to be good value. But where it fits on this team, that's still a big, big question mark. Derek Jones Jr. comes back two years, $6.6 million to the Bulls. I'm like, Sure. He can defend okay, but he's got absolutely nothing offensively. He's fine enough. Honestly, he might be at times a better backup center than Andre Drummond. At least he's a better rim protector. And the price is fine. No worries with that. Hal Neto goes to Cleveland to be a third string point guard. Probably a minimum deal one year. Um, he's solid enough. When you force him into action, he can be strong, be solid. Other teams probably should have been looking at that. Yeah, Hal Neto to Atlanta instead of Aaron Holiday as the backup point guard, I think significantly better. Neto's not having fantasy impact, nor is um, the Cornetto. Luke Cornett goes to Boston, two-year deal. I expect that's going to be team option or non-guarantee second year and minimum contract. He won't be a rotation piece. If he is forced into big minutes, he's got a fantasy skill set, but that would mean Grant Williams, Al Horford, Rob Williams, and a bunch of those guys all being out, which again is just not going to happen all that often. And the last deal before I went to air was the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo, heading to Golden State, Two years, $9.3 million. After the Kings screwed around and tampered with his qualifying offer last season by not starting him, then pulled that qualifying offer, and then he goes for a really cheap price after they spent double the amount on Malik Monk and acquired Kevin Herter at the cost of a first-round pick. Once again, I don't know what the Kings are doing. As for DiVincenzo, I think this is an unbelievable fit for Golden State. A replacement for, for Gary Payton, for sure. He can be a solid defender. He's shooting his bit waxed and waned. The ankle has been a problem for him for like two years. We hope it's all right. He's not going to have fantasy value. Pretty obviously, there's Clay, there's Steph, there's Jordy Poole there as well. There's um, old mate Moses Moody. When you look at Moody, 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 Moses Moody, Moses Moody. I don't think Moody's going to have much of an impact this season, but he's still there. But it's just a nice depth piece that might play. 15 minutes a night, might play 17 minutes a night on the nights where Clay has to rest or Steph sits out. DiVincenzo can step up. He's not going to be a fantasy impact guy, but in terms of a strong depth piece, who might be their ninth or 10th rotation guy after losing Peyton and Nemanja Bielica, who's gone overseas, and Otto Porter, getting DiVincenzo in there who can play the one, play the two, maybe to pinch the three, probably not. Uh, I, I think it is useful. The thing to watch in Golden State is with Porter going, with Bielica going, there's going to have to be a lot of John Kaminga. 
there's going to have to be. Whether he's ready for it or not, I don't know. I don't. He he might he might be. I don't think so, but he might be a guy that you grab with your last pick in a standard league draft. Understand that there's going to be some efficiency issues and maybe some lack of other stats, but he'll have some interesting nights. But the opportunities have opened wide up for him with the absence of probably Iguodala as well, Otto Porter, and Bielitsa. So that's just one to watch. So I don't know if there's been any other deals. I'm not going to look at it because I'm not going to cover them now anyway. We'll talk about them in tomorrow's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app if you are here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.